Welcome to Understanding the Law. I'm your host, Peter Lamont. I'm a business and personal law attorney and the principal of the law offices of Peter J. Lamont. The firm has offices in New Jersey, New York, Colorado, Puerto Rico, and affiliated offices throughout the country. Understanding the Law is a weekly radio broadcast where we discuss a variety of legal topics that affect our listeners. Please note that this broadcast does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship with any of our listeners. Today, we are going to continue with our topic of back to school and protecting your children, and we're very, very pleased to have a guest with us today, Lisa Schenk, and she's going to talk to us about uh, her story and what happened to her and to her family and we're going to tie that into ways that parents today uh, can sort of counsel their children and help their children with a variety of issues that are commonplace, such as bullying, um, mean kid stuff through texting and that sort of thing. So, Lisa, are you with us? You there, Lisa? Lisa, I'm sorry. Peter? Yes, so there you are. All right, Hi, Lisa, th thank you very much for being with us today. Oh, I'm happy to be here. So we're going to get into this topic um, about bullying and, and uh, self-esteem and issues that our children face today in school. And before we do that, I'd like to give our listeners some background. And so I'm going to ask you, if you would, to uh, to tell us your story, to tell us about your son, Tim. Yes so that we I have will. an understanding of where you're coming from. I had three boys, raised three boys, and uh, my oldest died by suicide in April of 2008. At the time, he was 18, my second child was 17, and my third child was 14, three boys. Uh, Tim was very bright, top of the class, uh, high school athlete, nice smile, uh, in some ways outgoing, in other ways shy, but... Uh, to, appeared to many to have it all, but always had low self-esteem since he was a child. Um, you know, I, ra you raise th I raise three children and wonder how they can turn out so differently. My second child is kind of the opposite in personality, and my third is a mixture of the two. So um, going through elementary school, Tim, um, like I said, very academically talented, very good at sports, but not confident about his abilities. I sometimes talk to the teacher, you know, to encourage him or you know, pick him up a little when he seemed a little shy. But he was, um, had a lot of friends. Also, uh, he was very hyperactive and impulsive in his personality. And I had him assessed for ADHD, which he did not receive the diagnosis because um, while he was hyperactive and impulsive, he did not have any consequences academically or socially. But I had my eye on this all along, and uh, we went to a K to eight. My kids went to a K to eight school in Spring Lake Heights, New Jersey. So it was a small school, and it was easy to be in touch with the counselors and and such. Uh, summer going into ninth grade, Tim was part of a group of about eight nine boys, and uh, something happened in the friendships, which I still don't have the whole story. But uh, Tim sort of went from the top to a lower notch, and. Well, I, he told me that part of it was that some of them were going out for football and he was a soccer player and that was lesser of a boy sport. Uh, but he wouldn't talk much about it, but his, I saw changes in his personality at that time. Um, you know, more, not as much the happy, 
moving around kid, more time in his room, time alone. Uh, getting into high school, he started to, um, what I might call, hang around with the wrong people and uh, alcohol, which we had these discussions right away that this is not acceptable. When Tim said things to me like, this is what kids in high school do, I said, well, not all kids and not you. And then it came into marijuana usage and uh, had him to some counselors knowing about, you know, discussing his personality, the low self-esteem and how this concerned me. I don't like it in general, but it concerns me more on a child who is not secure about himself. And I, I was not given a, a diagnosis of depression for Tim. Um, junior year, he uh, drank and drove the first weekend he got his license. Very much a risk taker, but cautious and back, you know, very much a, kind of a mixed personality there. You know, physically drawn to risk, a dare, but on the other hand, not confident, afraid of new things. So, um again, facing a dilemma of what should I do about this and grounding him. And he would accept the, accept the punishment and kind of go back to these, you know, drinking or pot again and kind of led. Uh, by the time of senior year, after soccer season, I saw more uh, loss of passion, loss of interest. And uh, he was dating a freshman girl. Dropped, she dropped him in December. And in January of Tim's senior year, he admitted to me once and only once that he wanted to take his own life. Um, I had him admitted to a local hospital, then to a mental health facility, but he had turned 18 in December of his senior year. So January he was he was 18. He was very fun- high-functioning, capable, smart kid, uh, was able to get himself released by signing a 48-hour notice. And at this is the first time we were ever given a diagnosis of depression. And then uh, we started medication and forced Tim into therapy against his better against his will, but he knew that he, you know, had to do so to cooperate with us. And um, that one day that Tim admitted to me that he wanted to kill himself, he also came out with a few other truths, such as he had experimented with uh, painkiller medication, and um, that he was unhappy. And I, and I, you know, I, I told him I love him, try to encourage him in every way, tell him that the drugs are not helping the matter. They're just, you know, just removing his ability to cope. Uh, but so Tim, between the months of January and April, Tim saw seven different professionals, inpatient and outpatient, who all said he was not suicidal. And on April 26th of 2008, uh, he did take his own life by jumping in front of a train. Uh, very devastating to my family, as you would imagine. Um, I had never relaxed after the one threat in January, right? But still didn't expect this at this time. Yeah, I I, uh, I couldn't even imagine. I mean, I'm, I'm a, a father of three children. I I couldn't imagine going through that at all. Yeah, and, and it, it must have been just devastating. I was so, uh, you know, worried about my husband, my other children, the friends in the community. Um, but I remain as strong as possible, mainly because I want my other two children to have a quality of life. And, you know, I, I was outward of speaking to everyone, um, try, you know, trying to communicate. So I guess um, my outreach, like I said, started right away. And 10 days after Tim died, I wrote a letter to the editor in our local paper explaining as best I could what 
what had been going on and, and uh, you know, about the drug use and alcohol, the, not, the non-diagnosis of depression, yet the insecurities that Tim had. And, uh, and then I kind of became a resource to young people in our community. Like it started out with Tim's friends wanting to talk to me about um, relationships they had with him and guilt that they had associated. Then other kids beginning to talk to me about their own uh, feelings and I, I don't try to pretend to be a counselor. I would really just try to refer them. But I became more knowledgeable about hotlines and websites and uh, resources. And I did build a website. Uh, it's called www.withouttim.com. And I have on there all types of inspirations, resources, uh, Tim's history, um, you know, facts about our family and how they relate. You know, it's a pretty comprehensive site. And uh, about two years after Tim's death, I decided to write a book that I realized um, I had so much I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about things that I remembered during my recovery that I'd like to share with other people who are grieving, as well as with parents in general that are um, having you know issues dealing with their children. And I also um, wanted to talk about Tim, not a biography, but uh, explaining his personality since birth and things that um, things about him I never want to forget, and things that I think may have been important to understanding and trying to unravel his personality. In the meantime, in those two years that I uh, was trying to reach out to help people and beginning to write a journal, you know, not knowing I was going to write a book yet, we had a number of other suicides, and our area in Monmouth County, southern Monmouth County, New Jersey, became known as a suicide cluster or contagion. Uh, the, the death immediately after Tim was seven weeks later. Another um, athletic, high-achieving boy, uh, all very sensitive, and um, you know maybe maybe more sensitive than an, than an average person. You know, more hard to accept uh, criticism. Uh, the second boy was a friend of my second son, and then uh, there was a third incident in August of that year. And by the time um, two years came around, we were already up to <clears throat> five or six, which now the toll is up to 10 or 11, five and a half years later. Wow. wow. Uh, no. so it's, but, but it has slowed, and we learned how to handle it over the years, we being my community. Like at the first two deaths were perhaps glorified more than they should have been, not knowing right. any better. But we've had all kinds of professionals come in from uh, – you know, New Jersey Coalition uh, Against Suicide and all kinds of teen groups and parent groups and, and religious, all working together on how to deal with this contagion. Well, I think that's the, the most important um, point to all of this is that, you know, you need help and support. And I'd like to um, talk a little bit about your experience and what information you might be able to give to our listeners who have children that are in school, especially because it seems as though um, the idea of, of bullying ha has developed over the years. I mean, when, when I was younger, and you were younger, uh, somebody was mean to you on the playground and you'd say he's the, the, in the class bully. It has a different connotation and I think that uh, bullying today has become more of an epidemic. I mean, I, from an attorney yeah. standpoint, we've represented a number of people who have been bullied. And it's not just 
the, the quote-unquote bully's fault. It's the school's responsibility. It's the parent's responsibility. But what's important here is that kids today seem to be really at, at, um, at their wit's end. There's a lot to deal with, more than just schoolwork. I think that yeah. technology, uh, the ability to text message and to talk about your, your friends on Facebook and to do some serious damage um, via computer and technology, I think has a, a, a very – it's created a, a burden for, for students today. Do you agree with that? Yes. Um, I think everything happening so fast, the constant multitasking, the, like the, the, lack, the inability to wait for anything, the society, society that we live in, creates so much more pressure for the kids. Um, what, I, what I would suggest is, you know, monitoring your, your child. I, I did use um, a software at some point to, to look at, you know, it used to be IM messages, which has now progressed a lot further than that. Right. But, um, you know, if you have any gut instinct that something is not right with your child, I would say follow it. You know, and I have three children, which I know Tim was different. You know, and I, I, and I may not have gone to the length that I, I actually didn't go to the length on my other two children because, like, as a parent, I think you, you, you know whether there's something, you know, whether there's something to worry about or not. And if you don't, then you need to be talking to your children more, um, you know, interacting with them about whether it's their schoolwork or their hobbies or their friends. Uh, but I would definitely say, um, you know, to, to stay on top of that, keep the communication open. Um and I guess another thing is to have, you know, take them to a counselor if need be. You know, obviously an emergency room or a or call a suicide hotline if they're if they're if it's a life threatening situation. But if not, to pursue the necessary counseling. And um, if you don't, it's sometimes you don't like the counselor, nor does your child. And I what I what I strongly suggest is just go to another person. There are many providers out there, and although it's difficult to start your story again, it's worth it if your child can you know, trust the individual and will open up. Right. And this, this all leads back to what you initially said, which is keeping that open line of communication with your children. You yes, know, which I, uh, Tim was made that very hard to do. And, you know, and I, I value that one admission of how he was feeling to me, considering all the rest of the time he would say he was fine. But, you know, there are there are ways to keep the conversation going as difficult as it might be. Um, and like I said, the more you know about their life, the more you can start to ask about specifically, uh, you know, what, what happened at this party this evening. Or um, <clears throat> you heard someone was picking on someone else. What do you know about that? You know, like if, you, if, they were, if they're not open to talking, try to hone right in on a specific instance. And um, I, I, I know I read this and I used it as well. Sometimes driving in the car with your, with your child one at a time. You know, you're both facing front. You're you're not looking at each other, but you're alone in the car, and that seems to be often a, a good time to get them to to talk a little bit more openly than in the house. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. I know that you know, speaking to a lot of parents, they'll say, "Oh, you know, my son or daughter just doesn't like to open up," but it doesn't seem to me like you accept that as an excuse, and that a parent needs to engage no matter how hard it is. Yeah, I agree. definitely think that you know. Because you you just usually have a gut feeling of whether their their behaviors are different. Like you know, are they have they got, have they shut down recently, or going into the room more, or spending more time alone, or changes of friends, or not spending time with friends. Right. You know those those signs. 
um, also that you know their computer usage and you know who they're interfacing with, and it is you know the bullying is a big concern in that way because it's not you know no one has to stand in your face the way they did in the playground these days with right. all the um, technology. Right. And like and, you I know, said, I, it's hard. It's been very difficult for me to get get to the bottom of what happened that summer going into ninth grade with that group of friends. Right. Um, afterward, you know, I didn't get much information from them either. Uh, a couple of years later, one one boy did t- did mention to me that they maybe didn't say they wouldn't hang around with Tim. Tim, maybe they were starting to not want to take his lead as often. And he may, but because he was oversensitive, he may have perceived that as more than what it was really, you know, meant to be as far as them not wanting to hang around with him. The fact right. that maybe they just didn't want to take his lead, but uh, to him, to him, it may have been a much bigger blow than than us than than us as adults um, yep. having so much more life experience might perceive. And I, I think that that's a very important uh, point because. Every child is different. I have three yeah. children. One of them is extremely sensitive. One of them keeps everything to himself. You know, so I think knowing your child is very important. And the only way to really know them, I think, is to engage them. Um, I, I want to ask a question about something that you mentioned. You, you were talking about friends in general. How important do you think it is for a parent to get to know their children's friends? Uh, very important. But I will, having raised three teenagers, um, it's very difficult to do when they reach the high school age. You know, in the elementary school, middle school age, I would insist upon it. And uh, in high school, I I did try to do so, but um, I did kind of learn that they're going to make some of their own decisions. You know, I like when kids, we, our high school covers a lot of areas, seven to eight towns coming into Manasquan High School in Manasquan, New Jersey. And... Um, it, you know, it gets harder with age, but um, up through into the teenage years, a must, and then as best as possible from like you know fifteen, sixteen, and on. Right. Well, you know, it's it's very I think critical to understand that that while you know, what exactly happened that year with Tim is something that is somewhat of a mystery, and you're you're you know doing your best I think even to this day to try to fully understand it. Uh, some of the things that that kids today are dealing with, with respect to um, to bullying, and it, it could be everything from a text message sent by one child to another, a photograph that's passed around, a posting on Facebook. I think it's important to understand that this this idea of anonymity, um, hiding behind a computer, when that child, and let's face it, when kids are in high school, they're still children. When they see yeah. a post or something like that online or in a chat forum, they might not come to you and say that, you know, this is what's being said about me. But that comment online, that, that text message, I think could have such a devastating effect to a, a teenager or to a child that it affects them and it, it can actually lead to depression or worsen feelings of insecurity that they already might have. So I think yeah. it's it's important and to combined with puberty setting in. Yeah. Um, that that combination like 14 is uh thought of as one of the turning points. And then 18 like entering what is adulthood which I don't even feel it's adulthood but it is legally. Yeah. Adulthood. Yeah. That, I think that there's a you know you don't want to categorize kids but there's the the extroverts and there's the introverts and 
those kids that are outgoing and always seem to be the popular kids, they seem to have less of a chance of developing depression throughout the school years. Once they get into adulthood, that's a different story. But the introverted kids and the kids that are more sensitive, they seem to take something like a nasty post or Facebook uh, posting and really kind of take that to heart. And then it leads to feelings of inadequacy. Um, you know, back when, when I was in high school, although it was a long time ago, there were there were kids that felt insecure. I went to an all-boys school. And so they would lash out by maybe they were weak and, and, and you know physically weaker than others. They didn't play football. They turned to steroids and things like that. And while I think people think of maybe marijuana and steroids as different, the idea is still the same, that there's this feeling of inadequacy and they're turning to something else to try to make them feel better. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's... Substance use, will, if you, c- coupled with any level of depression, will always, um, you know, negate the situation more. Yeah, it's, um, I think, another something thing that... Like, and we are high school, you know, because we had ended up having this um, suicide contagion, which of the 10 or 11, I think six or seven came out of the same school. But I don't, I don't blame the school. I really... Uh, not that any school is perfect, but I think our school was very supportive, and I'm... I, I don't place a lot of the blame there. But one of the positive things we did was um, implement at the school a Friends Helping Friends campaign. And that, we think that saved a lot more lives because of, you know, the, the depression in everyone's face, the suicide becoming an option when you're, you know, rather than just a kind of a nightmare in the background when, when it's happening in your, you know, you know among your friends, it, it, it becomes an option for all too many children. Right. But the Friends Helping Friends campaign was that uh, children in the school could anonymously go to um, a guidance counselor or the um, social worker in the school or administration and give the names of children who they thought were struggling anonymously. And that really led to um, opening up a lot of communication in the school and we think saved a number of additional lives. Right. Well, I think so, that... So, you know, the fact that kids can, kids should tell an adult like that if they suspect any um you know th- this is worth telling your own children that if they have any fears about their friends you know um ha- you know experiencing depression feeling too sad about themselves it's it's not wrong to tell on that it's important to help your friend yeah that's a very very good point i think that you make two points that are, are worth noting the first point is that Schools generally have resources available yes. for kids that are are struggling, and so number one, you know, you've got the ability to go to the school to rely on a guidance counselor, and if if that doesn't help, then obviously there's the external uh, therapists and things like that. But make use of what your school has to offer if you're a parent. I think that the resources are there if you need to go speak to somebody. Don't be afraid to go to go do that. I think it's very important to make use of those resources. Yeah, and thank then the you second, for, um, highlighting that. Yeah, the second point that you make, which is is another po- a good point, is that a lot of times in today's society, be it that we're we're in a, litig- a litigious society, and people are afraid of being sued, and you could pass somebody on the street who's in need of help, and you choose not to help them for fear that it's going to create liability for you. I think that if we talk to the children the way that that you've um you know done in your town 
and and alert them to the fact that if you identify an individual that is having a problem, don't keep that inside. Tell tell somebody. Nobody's going to uh, you know get you in trouble for doing that because you could be saving somebody's life. That's right. And I think it's hard as adults to process that. I'm sure that you've seen what I what I've talked about. How you know you want to stay away from helping somebody for fear of, of getting yourself in trouble, and people tend to bury their head in the sands as as we get older. Do in part or friend, because young people feel that the person may no longer want to be their friend if they yeah. quote unquote tell on them. But and how do you opposite. how do you respond to that when you know for example that's that's the equivalent of an adult saying I don't want to help so and so I don't want to get involved because there's potential liability and the kids. They don't see liability or lawsuits. They say, I don't want to lose this person as my friend. What yes. do you do to, to tell or to help a, a child work through that so that they're able to get to the I point where they're able to tell? Explain, you know, how how much I miss my son and how I wish he w- I wish he was here. And, I, you know, his brothers, uh, it's, you know, such a loss to our family. And that if other people may have, you know, been reached out more about noticing him, you know, pulling away or or smoking pot when he, you know, uh, you know, doing things that were isolating him. We may have been able to get to the root of the problem sooner, and that your, you know, your friend, if the, you know, your friend even maybe act may act angry at first, but they'll come around. They'll they'll really, uh, I, I, from what I've observed, they will not hold it against you in the long run. They'll realize that you you love them. You're doing it because you care and you want to help them. Yeah, I, I think that's a wonderful point to make. I think that for any any listeners who have children or um, you know those kids in high school that might be listening to this broadcast, I think it's important. Uh, what Lisa's saying is so critical. You could save someone's life by you know what you would consider ratting on them or telling on them. You're saving their life. And I think and that that's what, such I, what a, we had implemented in our school was that even there was the ability to do it anonymously. Yeah, and that's, that's a wonderful didn't, didn't thing. Didn't want to be identified. Yeah, I think that parents should take away from from this portion of the discussion that it's okay to go to your school board, to go to the administrators, and to suggest that this sort of a program be implemented even before you encounter a, a suicide or other potential problems. It, it yeah. could be a proactive measure that would very uh, be very beneficial, I think, to the entire community. You know, so I think it's yeah. important that parents are are proactive, and it sounds to me like that's where your town, your community, has has gone to. Now you're being proactive as a community. Is that fair to say? Completely. Yep. And we also implemented another uh, program. Um, this is not really through the school, it's through a private family, but it's grown into a large community effort. You cannot be replaced. And that's a website that you can go to, youcannotbereplaced.com. The concept of um, ordering bands that say you cannot be replaced and giving it to someone who you think might be having a bad day or looking sad and, and telling them that they mean something to you. And that's become, um, it started out of Manasquan, New Jersey, and now it's a worldwide uh, program, and it's it's just a small thing, but it you know we, we've we've heard we've gotten feedback that um, it just made a difference for somebody on that given day. It's they're inexpensive, 
even some school systems have picked up the concept and shared it within their school. It's just another positive thing that came out of our community with uh, with the losses and you know trying to improve self esteem and let people let young people understand just how important they are and that life will get better. Yeah, and it might sound like a small thing, but even doing this small thing can have a major impact on protecting our, our children and your friends. Um, well, we are winding down in the broadcast. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you, Lisa, for coming on and for sharing your story, because I, I would imagine that even to this day, it's still very hard for you to do it, but I think that you're helping so many people by sharing your story. Thank um, you. If people have I'm, I'm questions. I'm fairly new at this. I just, um, you know, I've been working behind the scenes in our community, but I, with, with my book coming out just last week on National Suicide Prevention Day, which was uh, September 10th, I've, uh, I guess I've received a lot of recognition and I'm getting into more public speaking and more uh, outreach beyond my immediate community. Well, I think it's The name a of my thing. book is Without Tim. And what and, is the uh, website that people can go to that they can contact you without through? WithoutTim.com. I encourage our listeners to go to the website. If you have questions, please uh, speak to Lisa. Send her an email, and, and she would be yes, more my than My email address is on the site. Very good. Well, at this point, uh, I would just like to say that if you have any questions – uh, for Lisa, you should contact her through her website. If you have any questions about this broadcast or other legal issues, please give us a call at 973-949-3770. And until next time, I'd like to thank you for joining us. And remember that there's power in understanding the law. Thank you. <laughs>